Derek Neighbors. I'm Jade Meskill. I'm Clayton Langelzigich. And I'm William Price. And today we want to talk about the third. design in agile software development. Um, so I just want to start an open dialogue on what are some of the challenges of implementing design um, in an iterative methodology. So we're talking web design specifically, or um, let let's start with uh, web design, and uh, if we want to go beyond that, we can. But let's start there. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, so usually. I, uh, so I think my experience with design in you know for a website or whatever is that a designer comes up with some idea of something you know it's like waterfall right so everyone's used to the designer comes up with something they make this nice pretty psd somebody slices the psd up and it turns it into html and css at some point in time and then that becomes you know your web app so i think that's probably like 90 percent of the people out there is their experience with doing design uh and so when you try and take that and put that into agile it makes it really difficult to say, well, this week we're working on this set of features and we need the design for that, you know, now or soon or whatever, uh, because I don't think that's how most traditional designers work. You know, they want to have some, they need more lead time than that. Yeah, I think from a designer's perspective, the lead time is typically, you know, considered the biggest challenge is just the pace. But, um, I think a bigger challenge is uh, a, a knowledge and appreciation that overlaps as much as possible between developer and designer. Um, you know, you, you often hear, you know, the, people say everyone is a designer, you know, and that makes me kind of uneasy because I think design is a craft, uh, you know, it's a skill that you have to um, hone over time and any, anyone can hone it, you know, uh, anyone can learn it, anyone can learn to draw, anyone can learn to think well and design but the you know the thing that makes me uneasy about everyone is a designer is that uh, when you say that it's like oh so now i'm a designer today instantly uh, and so as a designer it makes me uneasy but what i what i need to do is develop relationships with developers and with product owners where i can appreciate their input uh and and work with them as fully as possible and as a developer um you know uh, being involved in that process and considering it meaningful, I think is, is often missing, you know, um, there are some developers that will say, Oh yeah, you know, I, I think that's important, but do you spend time learning the fundamentals of design, um, and, and things like that? Or do you just go by what you think looks good, you know? Um, and then as a develop as a designer, uh, appreciating the developer's input and not just thinking what, whatever I come up with, whatever, you know, sexy, pretty thing I come up with is the best solution because it may not be the best solution for the process. You know, it may be a huge nightmare for everyone involved. It may be far more expensive than it's worth. You know, you might be developing something that, uh, looks and great, feels great to the product owner, but gets torn out a month later because users don't use it, you know, and so working, working together and having a tight relationship, that's the biggest challenge in my opinion. Well, I think, you know, to address something you said, you know, you're talking about everyone is a designer and that, you know, some of that came from a, a ThoughtBot article that, you know, we read as a team and, and kind of had some discussion about, um, you know, what I think or he's... Or Derek said as a team like three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's your Mike Cohen, I know everything card? Can you pull that out right now? <laughs> um, 
Now I just lost my train of thought. Thanks. <laughs> Thoughtbot. <clears throat> yes, Thoughtbot. Uh, so I think what they're trying to drive at is not that everyone is a professional designer in the sense that we think, but that everyone plays a role and should be conscientious of design, right? It's it's not acceptable for developers to just say, well, I don't know anything about that because I just write code and crank out some really crappy looking interface. Like we should be at least conscientious of the basics of what we're doing and that it should be professional and not, like I said, just not some some hack job that you know a developer put together because you can just tell. I, I think that's what they're driving at. Yeah, so I think like an analogy would be um, I'm not, I wouldn't be able to figure out a good like color scheme and whatnot for like say my house um you know i'd probably paint the walls like white and just leave them some stupid color and i wouldn't bother decorating but when it came to arranging the furniture i wouldn't put the like the couch in the middle of the room facing away from the tv or something stupid and so i think there's something to be said for maybe you're not very good with um the design theory or color theory or some of the things that maybe are more like uh, traditional design when you think of design art but in terms of maybe like a user interface or how things flow or just sensible decisions. I think that's the kind of designer that everyone could be, you know, just like take a step back and say, does this make sense? Yes or no. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, you know, analogy wise, maybe it's similar to, you know, I expect most adults to be able to drive a car. I don't necessarily expect most adults to be able to race formula one um, or race NASCAR or race the, you know, Baja 500. And, and I think that there's definitely a difference of level of, and I think there should be some expectation of people who are developing software to understand, like you said, Clado, to not put the couch facing the opposite direction of the TV in a functional living room space where 90% of the time people will be watching TV. Um, but I think we see developers do that every single day, um, do things that just make absolute no sense. Um, and I, I think, you know, to me I've got kind of two additional questions on – kind of design in iterative fashion. One is, is we start to see iterations become shorter and shorter. I mean, one time, you know, Scrum, it was pretty much a given that a sprint was a, a 30 day or a month long um, uh, function or iteration. And, and now we're seeing sprints down to, um, you know, a week are pretty normal. Two weeks are probably now the standard. Um, and in some days, you know, we're, we're pushing more towards Kanban where it really is a sprint might be, an iteration might be in a, a day or less than a day, um, and how is it feasible to, um, not even talking about coming up with the design, but how is it even functional to implement the design um, in that quick of a time frame? Like, what are some of the challenges with, you know, we're starting a sprint on Monday, we're ending the sprint on Friday, and we've got to go from, you know, design to implementation in five days. You know, what, what are some of the challenges around that? Yeah, I think one of the challenges is the tools. You know, just to make an excuse for designers that I think is legitimate is the tools suck, you know, and uh, and there's there's been a push, you know, to do all your design and development in the browser, you know, and then there's this push, you know, to, to handle it uh, all CSS3, you know, do everything, you know, everything you possibly can CSS3 and all this kind of stuff. And and um, and granted, you know, the great designers out there are able to uh, be really involved in the front-end development and, and do minimal stuff in Photoshop. But in general, to work fast uh, is, is difficult with the tools that we have, and, and, and I would love to see that improved. Um, I think uh, one, one thing I've been trying to get uh, in, in a project that, that we would do here from a designer is to as as much as possible 
think on a, a feature oriented level instead of a site wide level and to, to design uh, just for what needs to be designed. You know, uh, you don't need to design the whole page. I mean, if you're developing a feature and it's uh, a widget in the corner of a page, the whole page could be a, a wireframe and that widget could be designed. And the challenge there is to be consistent throughout, to have a full, you know, a, a good vision of where you're going. Um, but I think a designer uh, that has good skill should be able to do that, should be able to stay consistent throughout, to keep going within the same vein of things, to keep uh, the look and feel going, uh, but be able to turn around a widget fairly quickly and not to get so concerned about the whole page. Um, and I'd be really interested to see a project go from conception to uh, launch, you know, with that whole process. And, and so far it's been, it's been a challenge to see that, but um, I, I think that could be a potential solution. And I think that's one of the complaints that I've heard from a lot of designers is, you know, I, I need to understand the big picture. I need to understand the whole world before we can start implementing some of these designs. And if we start on sprint one, let's just say with no design in place. So we, we didn't do a design iteration or anything like that. You know, how do you, how do you see that developing? You know, how do how do you, uh, maintain that vision of the bigger picture and the bigger idea when you're doing it in in week long sprints. Um, that's not a rhetorical question. You want no, me to actually answer I want that? You to... <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it is. It, that's a difficult thing, you know, to to ask. I think there's there's different scenarios. You know, is are we talking about sprint one? Is is a true sprint one, and there isn't this you know, backlog of things that have been predetermined. Cause I think that's one thing that weighs designers down is when there's already, you know, a whole bunch of stuff predetermined and they're saying, wait, I can't think about this. Like this is going to happen. I need to think about this. Uh, if you look at a, maybe, uh, I think a great example of success is Tumblr, you know, which was founded by two guys who had a division of labor between them, but they had a major overlap and they were both very invested. And one was a developer and one did business and design and stuff like that as far as I know. And, uh, and they worked iteratively and, and I think Tumblr has a beautiful interface. It's very usable. It's very simple. And, and they worked, you know, I don't know what their sprints were, but they worked, you know, a portion at a time and they kept maintaining. And whenever they, I think whenever they came to a big impasse, you know, as, as far as I can tell, uh, where there was going to be a major shift, that's where you look at, do we refactor design, you know? And I think there has to be a willingness to say, you know, okay, we're, we're going along, we're consistent, we're going a certain direction. Okay. Now we're going to make a big leap in a different direction or, or a change, or we're going to, you know, we're doing something we never foresaw doing. And so that means that we need to go back and rethink what we've already done. Um, and, and I think the big fear is we'll never get a chance to do that. And if we don't get it right the first time. We'll never be able to improve. Well, I think, I think that's a, you know, a little bit easier to accomplish when it's a couple of people and you're personally invested in, you know, what you're, you're not only just the developers, you're also a stakeholder and product owner and all those things. Yep. It's easier to manage that relationship because the relationship is I, with yourself. I right? agree. Yeah. And so, you know, in a typical scrum team of, of five to nine people, you know, that gets a lot messier and a lot harder to deal with. And, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is to, to try to, you know, do design, at the same time as development, you know, you see a lot of people trying to run design ahead of the game, but that leaves, you know, 
that leaves some opportunity for mistakes and waste. If you know, we don't do that story next sprint now, what, right? The world changes and we've got to reprioritize the backlog because some new business requirement came up or some new opportunity showed up and now there's no design for that. You know, now it's, now it's chaos and panic. Mm-hmm. So I think that as we get towards shorter iterations, the idea of doing work in Photoshop and then slicing it, chop them off and all that stuff. I think that totally goes out the window. So the same way that, I don't think you can go forward from you know today being a developer who just writes code. You have to have other skill sets. I don't think that you can be a designer who doesn't know HTML and CSS. So I think that if you can get to a point where you are getting out of Photoshop as early as possible, that gives you the ability. I think there's something to be said for having a Photoshop mock-up of something to show people because people, you know, they think that way or they like that stuff. So if you can do design up front or at least do a week ahead, you know, or whatever, sprint ahead, where you're not designing um, specific features that you might not do, but if you're doing things where you say, here is the overall look and feel of the site. And personally, I think that if we got towards where people are using style guides, where you could say, here's the overall look and feel of the site, and here's a style guide for 80% of what you're going to run into as you're developing a feature, then the developers can hit their ground running with their iteration, um, not having specific design for every single feature, but they could have enough to get by where they're not going to get hung up on something. Um, and if they do, it's probably just a quick fix. They could just talk to the designer about what's the best way to handle this. And then now the, that frees up the designer to work on if there are specific feature things, you could do something where they're one step ahead of you where the world isn't going to change that much, perhaps. So. Yeah, I think a style guide is a great way. It's going back to what I was saying earlier about to keeping that consistency, you know. You can spend that time up front developing that style guide of colors and, you know, padding and margins and things like that, grid, you know, all that kind of stuff, and then live with inside that model, you know, uh, that framework. And, and designers do great in fr- inside a framework, you know. Um, I don't know a single designer that, that resents having a framework to work within, you know. It's actually freeing. Um, I think another thing that can speed up the process is, uh, I agree with Clayton totally that you you ought to have that ability to be a front-end developer, at least the HTML and CSS, and to, to do that. Um, but instead of spending all your time in Photoshop, maybe spend more time with pencil and paper. Um, you know, one of the first things that they'll teach you in your design fundamentals class in art college is your first idea usually seems great and almost always sucks, you know? And sometimes your first 10 ideas suck. And, you know, one of the first assignments I ever did was I had to do an, a logo of my initials a hundred times, a hundred like different logos. And it was bang your head against the wall, annoying after 50, 60, 70 of them. You can't think of any new way to do it, you know? So as a designer, what you learn to be that way. And so if you go straight to Photoshop, it's, it's a struggle to do that because it takes time. But if you go straight to the browser, it's even it's even more frightening because it's like, well, if I do all this and I get it, but it's not the best solution, I have to rip it all out and start over and rip it all out and start over. But maybe if we spend more time as designers with pencil and paper going through that mental process of bad idea, bad idea, bad idea, decent idea, bad idea, bad idea, there's the one, and then go straight to the browser and implement, or like you said, minimal time in Photoshop creating an element or something like that. Uh, like, you know, a tiled background image or, a, you know, a, an icon or something like that. Um, and then get that in there. 
uh, I think that that could be a, a great process for a designer where they know their style guide, they know their framework, they hash through all the ideas on pencil and paper, and then they get to the browser as quickly as possible. So, yeah, one thing I thought that was uh, interesting kind of at the beginning, as you said, you know, it's really difficult when you see the entire backlog and then not not think about everything in that backlog. And I think the developers fall into that same trap is, you know, we've got an architect for the f the 491st <laughs> thing in the backlog, even yep. though we're on sprint one. And, you know, I in the back of my head, I'm kind of wondering, is this one of the reasons that maybe Kanban has taken a little bit of a, a front runner approach and that a lot of people are, you know, liking it is that it, it kind of tries to move so quick and obfuscate, you know, more than the next 10 items um, that, you know, does it give kind of a calming effect to designers and developers that they're only worrying about the next two or three things opposed to, you know, item number 391. I think it's part of a different discussion, but interesting nonetheless. So product owners, um, hide as much of your backlog from your uh, developers <laughs> and your yeah. um, designers, and you might see their velocities go up, perhaps, is wow. a theory. It's a theory, so, you know, <laughs> you might try it out, and they might lynch you, but you might try it out. Um so the next uh, kind of question I had, and, and this kind of starts to go into a different element of design than what we've been talking about here, which is probably more of the visual design, and that is um, I hear a lot of people say, you know, you know, really talk about, well, you know, how do you do kind of usability or discovery, right? You know, how do you, how do you go out and ask, you know, an audience of people, you know, how do you, how do you really get these questions answered uh, about, you know, what the product is really supposed to do and how it's supposed to work. And I think a lot of people even ask, well, what happens to the business analyst, right? We used to have this business analyst and now we're in this kind of scrum team. And how does a business analyst go gather data for a particular user story during the actual sprint? If I've got a five-day sprint, how do we do discovery on what the best way to solve this problem is, you know, within a, a, a five-day sprint or a 10-day sprint um, opposed to being able to gather some of that information up front to kind of understand that. So maybe talk a little bit about, you know, some of the challenges or some of the things that we lose by not doing that as much anymore as we used to or how we can incorporate that into a shorter sprint length or sprint cycle. I guess I've never really been convinced that um... – if, even if you had a business analyst and you had people that were out doing a bunch of research and you know interviewing potential users and blah blah blah, I mean you're never going to come up with the, a great solution in the first go anyway. And so it seems like you kind of have to go you know take that leap of faith into Scrum or Agile or whatever and say I'm not going to get it right the first time, but I'm going to get something out there that we can start working with and gathering feedback on. Um, you know, it's I feel like it's. Um, it's kind of like an emperor has no clothes thing because there's a lot of people that are probably thinking like, well, that might work for your project, but trust me, I really need to know all these details for my project. And I don't think that is the case in almost any instance. So let me, let me maybe rephrase to, to make sure I'm understanding. So you're suggesting a way to combat this is to actually um, release shippable software as often as possible and use the shipped project is the way to collect that information. Once you get that information, reiterate and make the changes necessary based on the feedback you got from real customers. Right. Yeah. Like actually use the point of Scrum or you know some other process. <laughs> so I, I think that's that's pretty interesting. Is you know maybe that is some of the source of the problem. Is you know we're we're okay with not getting development exactly right right out of the gate, but you know a lot of the projects I've worked with, they're obsessed with 
the design the design being correct the first time out of the gate. You know, we've got to get it right. We can't afford to mess this up because then nobody will ever come back and use the system again. Yeah. And it's, so, and so maybe, you know, maybe that's us. We're psyching ourselves out because, you know, we feel like we've got it. We've got to nail this thing the first time around and we completely forget to be agile about the design itself. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot like the, the whole flash mentality of what the early two thousands, which was come out with this, flash app that's your whole site that's so fun and there's things flying and noise being made and people uh the internet was so new to people that they went and and used it and were like oh my you can do this on the computer this is amazing you know and uh and then it it lost its lost luster because people were like i just need to get this data I just need to know how to get there. I just want to know what the hours are. Just right. tell me. And you know, now obviously with mobile, everyone knows the implications of that. Um, but point being is there was this ability that, that people had, developers and designers, to shock and awe people and to get them really thrilled. And that was mostly because the internet was so new to most people. And that's over now. It's done. You, you're rarely going to put something out that is going to excite someone just because they looked at it. You know, I mean, now if you're a designer, you're going to look at design and be excited by people's good work. If you're a developer, you're going to look at ideas and concepts and development and be excited by their elegant solutions APIs. and things like an APIs and yes, <laughs> and sexy, ta- and sexy their, and APIs ta- and their tables, <laughs> but, but you know, your, your common user doesn't care. I mean, they do, but they don't, you know? And, and it's a, it's really a combination of everything that matters to them. Can they get what they want quickly? Can they get through it easily? Is it confusing or not? Um, does it look, does it look good? Meaning like good to the layman, like decent, like not look bad, you know? Um, does it look broken? Does it look inviting? Does it communicate the brand? Like those kind of things are, are, are the big pile of, of influence on whether or not a user wants to keep using it. And so the, the big temptation, I think, with design is that a lot of times product owners that have an eye for design and designers want it to be so attractive and so exciting that anyone who looks at it is going to be really impressed, you know? And I don't even think it's an ego thing most of the time. It is sometimes. But most of the time, it's, it's like a business value thing. It's like, I think that if this gets perfect, then people will be thrilled and excited and think it's the best thing that's ever happened. Um, but it's not that simple. Users don't work that way. Yeah, I think another big part of it is that um, if you're, you know, uh, the product owner for some startup or even just a product owner, you don't maybe you don't understand the, the technical details, but you know what looks good and what doesn't according to you. So I think that's why everyone gets so caught up on the design stuff. It, you know, it's like, well, I don't really know the workflow or how this workflow should work, and I don't really understand what you're doing, you know, in the back end, you know, air quotes. But um, I can look at this and say, wow, that's really pretty. And there's other websites that I like that, and they look kind of like this too. And, you know, the people that I want to attract on my website, the, they look at those websites too, you know, and it's just something, it's simple. It's a high level thing, but everyone has an opinion about it. You know, product owners generally don't have an opinion about what you, how you implement that technical thing, but they have an opinion about how it looks. Well, I think it's a trap too, because it might look really good and it's a total disaster from a functional standpoint. Right, it, it might look shiny and pretty, but when you go to implement it, users just can't understand it. But man, it looked so good on that comp that I got. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the biggest trap that people fall into is 
everything was an overnight success. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, I'll use an example of Twitter, right? If you were to look at Twitter today, it looks pretty reasonable. It's got some pretty sexy UI elements. Um, it's got some nice UX kind of layouts where they've got some sliding drawers and some techniques that are a little bit more cutting edge. And so if I were to try to create something that competed with Twitter or had functionality similar to Twitter, I wanted a timeline feed perhaps. And I said, why well, need my timeline feed to look just like Twitter? Because people will not accept a timeline feed that's not as good as Twitter's timeline feed. What we forget is fast forward back or rewind back, um, you know, five, six years to when Twitter started and look at what Twitter's timeline... Yeah, look at the first release of look Twitter. At, look at, oh. I mean, you know, the quote-unquote new, and I'm doing air quotes here, Twitter didn't come out until a few years ago after, or not even a few years ago, less than 12 months ago, after they'd already taken almost $60 million in funding. And, and I think that, that people get obsessed on, I have to compare myself to the thing that is fully funded and has been out for you know a better part of five six years and has hundreds of millions of users on it and that's my benchmark instead of saying you know we've been working on something for three months and we want to release uh, the first version within the next quarter and we need to iterate over how our users use this product I think that's really you know I think you're absolutely right people get way too fixated on we we have to ship finished and we can't iterate, but code-wise, you can do whatever you want. Like, if we need to add a feature here and there, that's great. But, you know, the minute we put a feature out the door, it has to be perfect because we can never come back and visually make it different, functionally make it different, or aesthetically make it different, or, or people are going to say that we failed and, and we didn't work. And I think that that's, that, that's a mistake. Well, I, but I think there is, there is some challenge in that, though, that, you know, because the Internet is moving at such a fast pace is there are some pretty revolutionary things that come out that do become almost mandatory, you know, that do become expectations of how things should work. And so I think that is a challenge that, you know, we're always going to be faced with is how to, how to keep up with the things that are now mandatory that six months ago were nice to haves, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, I agree with you, Derek. I think I'd all, I would challenge a little bit the idea that people, uh, product owners in particular, are comfortable with not having all the functionality as well. Yeah, I agree that a and, lot of them don't. don't and do so, that. yeah, you so you go well. I want to go up against this, you know, X thing that's been around for six years, and so they've had six years to develop all their features. And so when I come out of the gate, I want to be at par with them in six months, you know. And um, and I think that's a that's a major issue for design because uh, what you end up doing is just as quickly as you can you know, designing everything just like it over, it over accelerates the pace of development. You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be trying to develop, you know, the one that product owners love to reference Facebook, Facebook, yep. you know, in six months, but it's know. already been done, Billy. But it's already been done. Yeah. Yeah. So what, so why are you doing it again? But so, but because here's, is different. but here's the thing about, but about really great design going beyond the skin of it, going on beyond even the, the couch analogy is it takes time to, to really understand whatever your, your problem is, however you want to look at it, your problem, your problem-solution you know, analogy, or your friend, your creation, whatever. It takes time to sit with it. And so going from an iterative uh, perspective, allowing things to come out of the gate less than perfect, and building from the ground up, and I'm not talking about developing, slowing down development or doing it in deliberately more slowly, but increasing the amount of releases you have and accepting um, that that you're not going to make 
the the a world a world changing design on day one. What that does is it allows your design team to really get to know the brand the way the users encounter it, to get to know the app the way the users want to use it. You know, you, you get that time to realize, you know, pe- what people are doing with Twitter is not what we thought they were going to do with them. You know, what the way people are using this or that product is, is not, this was not what we expected, but this is what they believe we are and what they want us to be for. So then it allows you to go back and do what like new Twitter did, you know, when they said, we're not a social network, we're an information network. And from now on, that's what we're focusing on. And we're going to design for that. Uh, and then you, and then you can come out with something that's sexy and impressive and, and great, you know, and, uh, well, and functional and, you know, accomplishes the business goals. Yeah. And it's not contingent on success, you know, that, that you come out of the gate at that point. Right. Which is the big fear, right? Is that if we don't come out of the gate at the same, at this, at this level, that's way up here, right? then what we're going to fail. Cause no one's going to want to look at it or no one, you know, but you don't even know where people are at with it yet so so thank you guys for your time i think uh hopefully in the next quarter or so we'll do another uh, one of these on design and uh, talk about some of uh where where what we've learned and where we're going with it and maybe invite in uh, um, a couple of uh, outside guests and see how some other shops are doing it and until next time we'll see you thanks